Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. We will talk about Joe Ryan, of course, but I did notice today, and we're talking on Wednesday, that Lavelle, you put out, you put out a note of optimism on Twitter about previous Twins comebacks when it looked like they were completely eliminated. We are looking at a Twins team that just got swept by Cleveland this last weekend, has a five-game, uh, five-game, four-day stretch in Cleveland coming up this weekend. Of course, we're talking after the Twins won against Kansas City on Tuesday night. So tell me about your optimistic tweet, Lavelle. Oh, yeah. Well, I just pointed out that, um, you know, that back the, the two years they went to back-to-back game 163s, uh, that uh, in one of those years they were back four uh, four games with six to play, uh, two and a half games of, with four to play, six to play, and ended up tying – at the, at the end of the regular season and playing the White Sox in game 163 and losing. A year later, they were five and a half back with, I believe, 14 games left to play. And then I, I think it ended up being four back with six to play or three back with six to play. And uh, they snuck in and tied Detroit for the division title at the end of the year. And that required another game 163, which they won which basically earned them the right to be eliminated by the Yankees in the first round, but they still made the playoffs, you know, so stranger things have happened and you just can't throw in a towel just because um, things that look, look so bleak uh, at the moment, as far as their inability to beat the Cleveland guardians and um, kind of get back in the race. And plus, you know, in this case, they got to jump over two teams because now the white Sox are in second place in the division. But, um, the twins have not given up yet. Uh, I I wrote a column that ended up getting thrown in the trash because uh, of the no hit uh, flirtation last night, which Rock was talking about. He still likes the way uh, his players are showing up for work and and putting the effort in to get better and to try to turn things around and get on the streak here. They just need a couple wins here to start gaining some momentum, and so it'll be key for them to have some momentum when they go into Cleveland this weekend for that big five games in four day series. So I was just pointing out some historical context, man. Um, of course, uh, it was met with derision among the uh, twins, Twitter, who they, it's a group of people who just like to be unhappy uh, basically. And, Oh, that is so true. I was saying on another radio, <laughs> on a radio show earlier today that uh, twin, this is a, this is a, this is a, maybe the whiniest baseball market in America. Um, you know, everything's, I mean, it, it just, everything is met with, pessimism and and i hey it's my job to rein in it's your job too to rein in irrational exuberance we do we rip on the team we criticize players we you know you and i have ticked off many people over there uh many mm-hmm. times in many ways but just the 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 eeyore uh 
act- acting that we see so often among Twins fans just gets really old. So we will talk about some possible positivity coming up. He's Lavelle Neal from the Star Tribune. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Uh, our other partner, Roy Smalley, the uh, former Twins great and current Twins broadcaster, is off this week. We expect him to be back next week. The show is Chin Music, our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen. It's also free. You can also follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod and see the shows as they're released. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. And thanks to our sponsor, Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. One other note here, uh, John Krasinski will be uh, appearing at the John Krasinski Show at Headflyer Brewing, September 30th, 7 p.m. is the show, 6 p.m. John will be uh, hanging out and uh, answering questions and having drinks with whoever shows up. Uh, Dane Moore is also going to be joining us on that show as well. And uh, it should be a blast. Uh, you know, Headflyer has been a big sponsor of John's show all along, and it's time to get excited about the Timberwolves. All right, so let's, you know, before we get to Joe Ryan and all the other stuff, I will say this about this current twin squad. The they very easily could have said in early March, oh man, we have no pitching, and Royce Lewis isn't quite ready yet, and we have an injured center, you know, center fielders, we have trouble keeping on the field. It would have been very easy for this team at that juncture to say, okay, rebuilding here. It would also have been easy for this team to say, oh, can't trade away too many prospects at the trading deadline. If this team isn't good enough, it's just not good enough. They went in big at the trading deadline as well. Also, as you said, I have not seen anything I would construe as a lack of effort among this group. Uh, Whatever their flaws, these guys play hard. Uh, It's been a fun group to be around in general. Uh, So there are a lot of things there are a lot of things right with what has gone on this season in terms of uh, management's. The, and the players' willingness to compete. No doubt, no doubt at all. And you get to the ballpark at uh, you know two thirty, three o'clock before a night game, and there's players out in the field taking extra BP, taking extra grounders, uh, working on button, um, you know, trying to perfect their craft. You know, they study the numbers, they listen to the coaches. Uh, you know, in the story they got trash. Rocco was telling me, you know, I was asking him, how do you feel this team's pulse? How do you know that these these guys are in the right headspace to to deal with trying to to chase down two teams now over the last three weeks of the season. He says, well, it starts with how they're interacting with their coaches. If they're still working hard, you know, before and after games with the coaching staff, engaging, looking at, looking at the numbers, you know, looking at charts and working on the fundamentals, you know, that's a, that's a good sign. And we see a lot of that going on at the ballpark when we, when we, when we show up, Um, they still care. I covered Saturday's game and uh, when they lost to, to the guardians again, the Guardians got off to a fast start and they couldn't catch up. Walked to that clubhouse after the game. And I, I just that the old feeling when I was on the beat, when things were tense, you could feel the tension, you know, in the air. Um, and there was a handful of guys sitting around the table talking, but you know, everybody else had cleared out and you could just, you could tell it was starting to get to them a little bit. So they care. They haven't, they haven't checked out. They haven't given up, you know, they haven't started checking the, um, the hunting and fishing guides for off season vacation trips yet, you know? So um, they're working hard. They still give a damn. And they're going to try to you know, make some noise this weekend when they go to Cleveland. So we'll see. It's going to be very interesting. And here's the, here's the deal. Rocco pulled Joe Ryan with a no-hitter after seven innings and 106 pitches because his next start is vital. 
they're going to have to win his start in Cleveland. They're probably going to have to win four out of five in Cleveland to have a realistic, you know, shot at, at making a run here late. Uh, and Joe Ryan, as I'm, I'm not sure he's ever pitched, you know, this many innings in a season. I'll have to go double check that. He had has not thrown more than 107 pitches in a game this year. You were looking at if he was going to pursue a no hitter, he was probably going to be up north of 130 pitches. When mm-hmm. his next start is vital, I, I I cannot criticize Rocco for making that move. Not at all. And Jim, I looked it up about a half an hour ago. Um, with the seven innings he threw yesterday, he has now thrown a career high for innings in a season uh, mm-hmm. since uh, since he was drafted by Tampa Bay and come up to the system. So you got to take that into consideration too, because you're you're going to want him to pitch in October. So you don't want to start you know pushing the envelope now, especially when you got a big game coming up. Um, the people who are complaining about this simply one, they just like to complain or two, they're selfish because they just wanted to see no hitter. So they can say, Hey, I saw no hitter. Woo-hoo! You know? And uh, yeah, I know the twins have only had, I believe six in their career and they haven't had one since Francisco Liriano in Chicago. I think Frankie walked like six guys that game too. He did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um you know, so it would be it would have been a great event for them to rejoice over. But you know, there's a bigger picture here, and that's that's I I have spent a lot of characters uh, in the last 16 hours um, trying to explain you know the thinking and that what's the prudent move here. Um, you know, they have fought off 32 pitches. Um, yes, he looked he has struck out two in the seventh. You know, but you look at how the game the game was shaping up he wasn't going to get a chance to pitch in the ninth inning. You know, I was thinking, well, maybe give him the eighth. And then I'm like, no, because if you don't think you can finish the ninth, why give him the eighth when he's already thrown 106 yeah. pitches? You, you right. want him to start against Cleveland in a game that may mean everything for this, this team's playoff hopes. So Morocco's going to take abuse for it. And um, it was funny because just when, right before the bullpen door swung open, uh, does Joe, 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 Joe chance started uh, among the in the stands and then the, the bullpen door opened and then the fans could see a figure walking down from the, the ramp from the, the bullpen and the booze just started. You know, they did not like the move and um, they added some intrigue. I, I like Moran's chances, Jim, because I covered Joe Eric Milton's no hitter in 1999. And this, this Royals lineup was worse than the, <laughs> the lineup that the Angels Fielded, and if you remember, uh, in '99, the Angels had Todd Green and Troy Glaus in the middle of the order. Everybody else was like Jeff Devanin and people that you have never heard of before. Um, it was like a getaway. It was a Saturday morning game. Um, it had we had to play it at eleven o'clock because the Gophers were hosting Penn State. They tried to get the the Gopher game pushed back an hour or two, but Joe Paterno complained that he had to get his his kids back to school so they could study. You know, so. Sure. Um, I believe that game started like at five, five thirty or something like that. So 11 a.m. game, nobody there. You know, I'm in a dugout with Rick Stone Mason at about 845 going, man, we just want to get this day over with, you know, but you never know what's going to happen. You get to the ballpark and Milton started dealing. Uh, it was a terrible lineup. And then, but in, and history was made last night. I'm looking at the world's lineup. They got four guys batting under 220. That one guy batting 170. Um, t- they had, Bobby Wood Jr. and Salvador Perez were probably the most dangerous hitters in that lineup. And if you could work around those guys, you got a shot. But Moran got uh, through the eighth 
went into the top of the ninth and the top of the order came around and he just, that's where he hit the speed bump and he couldn't get it done. And it's unfortunate. Um, it would have been, and that was the other thing I tried to point out too, is that of the last six no hitters in baseball, four have been combined efforts because yeah. pitchers are not being allowed to throw 140 pitches to, to complete a no hitter. Johan Santana threw like 133 pitches for the Mets to get it, uh, to get his no hitter. He was never the same after that. I know he was like 32 or 33 at the time, but um, he was nothing after that. And uh, his career is pre- pretty much over because, you know, they let him go to throw this no hitter. Um, he has no hitter under his belt. So he says he has that, but he probably would have liked to have been more effective as a pitcher for a couple more years, at least. So, you know, Rocco isn't, isn't the only manager that is trying to be careful with these pitchers. And in this case, there's more in the line for the twins than in most cases with some of these other guys. Uh, the pitch count is like the main driving force in a lot of these decisions. Rocco's got to see if his team's going to get back into him. Jorge Polanco's going to play this week. And Rocco started only yesterday when he said, and Buxton should be back soon thereafter. So, you know, some stuff come, is coming up here. And they're, they're trying to um, see if all hands are going to be on deck here for his last push. So I totally got it. I totally got the move. No doubt about it. And let's uh, let's talk about Buck. I was looking up today because I, I think I recently referenced a stat where the Twins are like four games over 500 when he plays. And obviously, of course, four games or so under 500 when he plays. The better stat is uh, the Twins are 47 and 39 when Buxton starts, 23 and 31 when he doesn't. Uh, it, it's just stunning to see one player impact a team as much as he does. Eight games over 500 when he starts. Eight game under 500 when he doesn't. Uh, so, you know, it, it just just to uh, reiterate what you were talking about with Twins comebacks and whether this team should have any optimism at this point. You get Buxton healthy if he can if he can play the way he's capable of playing. That could be everything. Plus, uh, the combination of him and Polanco. Polanco's probably the yeah. best at bat taker. He leads yeah. them in walks. Um, wherever you put him in front or behind a Buxton, it's a plus to that batting order. I mean, Jim, yesterday the Twins lineup had Kyle Garlic batting third and Nick Gordon batting fifth. And yep. Garlic generally mashes lefties, and Nick Gordon has, has helped out a lot. But um, those two have manning key positions in the batting order is not an optimal batting order. It is when Polanco and Buxton are around. And Buck coming back – you know, will be a boost to his club. I'm guessing if he's ready to come back, that means he's ready to to run. So if you put him out in center field, you know, then he can influence the game with his glove and his legs just as much as as his bat. Um, a lot of things that were going well for the Twins the first half of the season was that they were able to early ambush teams or ambush teams early. I turn into Yoda right there. Close enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was because Buxton was like hitting home runs in the first inning, you know, and um that you know that has an effect on a, on a squad. It gets them off to a fast start. The guys can relax a little bit, and it puts the other team on notice. I mean, as a, as a growing up a Chicago sports fan, I watched Frank Thomas for years. The one reason the White Sox batted him third because they wanted him to get a, in the bat in the first inning. Because if he goes deep, they're up one nothing. You know, there's an advantage to that. I think there is a psychological impact of that, and that's what Buck was adding to this club in the first half of the season. And if he comes back now. Um, Carlos Correa is finally hitting the way I thought he was going to hit. Um, over his last 17 games, he's batting 368 with a 1.118 OPS. He's got six homers and 17 RBIs. Uh, he is swinging it pretty good right now. 
You put Buxton in the middle of that, put those guys together. And, and now that the top of the order is uh, definitely more threatening, could do some damage. And now you could stand up a little bit better if you're facing teams like Cleveland. No doubt. Hey, once again, thank you to Brandon Morton, our producer. Thanks also to Corona, the Im- official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. And again, go to ch- check out TalkNorth.com, outdoor content, uh, the best sports lineup in town, some variety shows. We keep adding shows and uh, adding listeners. We appreciate you listening. So uh, the uh, the rules changes uh, once again. Every, it feels like everything with baseball is controversial. You know, it's like NFL will make eight rules changes. People kind of just shrug. But in baseball, everything's sacrosanct. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the rules changes. I think we'll see faster games. I think we'll see faster games with more action and less standing around and less just fiddling in them. Uh, I think the larger bases make sense just for injury prevention and people actually being able to, to slide in safely. Uh, I, I never loved the shift. I, it, you know, it didn't, when the, didn't bother me as much as it bothered a lot of people, but, it, but it, you know, I just, I like, I don't want to spend time watching people jog from third base to right field between pitches, you know, just yeah. shift, just shift a little bit, just shift a little bit. And that's fine. You know, and if somebody hits a, a bullet into shallow right field, that should be it. Yeah, I really wish that hitters would have forced uh, opposing defenses to change their own. I just figured you get to play, you see all that space that's available to the opposite side of the field, and you would take advantage of it. But we're in the launch angle generation, and they're thinking about hitting the ball over the infield. So, uh, so that that hope was kind of dashed. Um, I'm guessing that sometime during the off season. Um, there's going to be an announcement. Maybe uh, an island's going to be rented in Hawaii or somewhere, some exact location. It's going to be called the left-handed victory party. And every left-handed hitter in Major League Baseball is going to contribute to this party led by Max Kepler because of the end of the shift. And they're going to, and, and the possibility that all their batting averages are going to improve because of it now. Uh, if, there's a, if there's a player who uh, will benefit more from that rule change, it's going to be Max Kepler, who I've watched ground out to second so many times this year, I think his number should be changed to 43. Uh, but that now is coming to an end. Uh, thanks to Rob Manfred uh, of the three. I probably ranked that third in my face uh, on my list of the favorites. Well, probably second. Um, third is the size of the base because in addition to avoiding injuries or a first baseman having his ankle snapped by a base runner, I, I, a larger base also suggests that, it may be easier to steal a base and right. base stealing. It could come back in vogue. Speed could be more of a, 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 a coveted tool when you're evaluating players. You, you look at the number of stolen base attempts and how many times do we go to instant replay to determine if a guy's safe or out? So there's inches at stake here. So if you add an inch or two to the base, you know, that's going to be a difference between a guy being safe and a guy being out. So, um, I want base stealing back in vogue. And that actually dovetails into the best rule change is the uh, the clock change. Now, there's a complaint from pitchers that I can only throw over the first base twice. And um, it's going to get to a point where that pitch clock, for me, is going to be a countdown to blast off <laughs> clock for the base runner. And that may be true. And that's something they may have to look at going forward. But I want to see how this plays out. Um, cause once again, I see nothing wrong, uh, with more stolen bases in baseball. Um, I love the 
concept of guys being 30, 30 players or maybe 40, 40 players, you know, um, Buxton Buxton's got the speed to be a 30, 30 player. Definitely has the power. Um, I like to see him had the opportunity. Of course, he needs to be on first base more often. That's problematic, but, but still someone like a Polanco could see his stolen base numbers uptick. But the best part of it is this three weeks ago, I was at a saints game and Louis Varlin was pitching. So I had a chance to see Louis Varlin for the first time. Um, and for some reason, the twins game started right on time at seven o'clock, but it was raining on the other side of town when the saints were supposed to start. So the game got delayed. Their first pitch was seven thirty-seven PM because of the pitch clock. That game still finished before the twins game. There is going to be between 20 is I'm guessing between 20 and 25 minutes are going to be slashed off the start of these games. And that benefits everybody. I'm actually going to write about this the next couple of days. Um, I remember sitting in the press box and talking to twins people, and we all would see it at night games. 10 o'clock would come. And regardless of where, if the twins were up by 12, down by 12, or if it was tied at 12 to 12, um, at, at 10 o'clock, families are getting up with their kids and they're walking out of the stadium because that was their cutoff time. It's time to go home, put the kids to bed. It's over. You know, so they were missing like the last couple of innings of games. Now, with the possibility of games being 20 to 30 minutes shorter, you know, you're going to keep families in, in, in the stands longer. And that, that's a win for everybody. Get to see, they get to see the end of the game. Um, and, you know, that's just that's just a benefit to everyone. And it's a benefit to, you know, us sports writers because it makes deadlines easier for us as well. Of course, that's a selfish reason. But um, just games are getting too long. And now we have the possibility of more games finishing under three hours. I think that's a good thing. Everything you said is right on. I'll add this. Baseball asks more of its fans than any other sport. And let's say they have a week where they play seven games in a week, which does happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you knock, you know, let's round it up to half an hour. I mean, it's three and a half hours less time. You can, you can watch seven games and spend three and a half hours less watching your TV or being at the ball. And I think it might be different for fans who for, there are fans who once they pay for their, their ticket to go to the ballpark, they don't really care how long the game lasts. They actually might think it's a benefit to watch more, you know, more baseball. Um, but as you said, people who have to work the next day on weekdays, uh, people who bring kids to the games, uh, you know, people who are watching on TV and have other interests in life uh, to be able to have some sense that you might be able to see a game that lasts 220 or 230 instead of automatically being up near three or over three. I mean, I know it will change my head. I watch games uh, even sometimes now when I don't really want to, because it's part of the job is staying up with everything. It will make, I know just the fan part of me will be overjoyed to watch a game that I think it's going to be over with at a reasonable time. Exactly. And it just changes the whole perspective of how you can enjoy the game and how you can take in the game. And uh, everybody wins that way. Um, and I got to look this up because Patrick Royce, our colleague at the Star Tribune, swears that this was a real thing. Uh, you know, but in the early days of the Twins, he claimed that some games started as late as 8 p.m. Uh, and the talk was there. Um, you can go home or cut the grass or go home and have dinner with your family and then come on out to the ballpark and watch a game. Um, that's crazy to think that uh, games are so fast back then that uh, some started at 8 p.m. 
but I know there was definitely 7.30 start times, and um, that would be horrible today because games wouldn't be ending until after 11 o'clock. Um, right. And and, a lot, and it's a good chance, Jim, some of those games would just be like three to one games or two to four to two games that for some reason would take three and a half, three hours and 45 minutes. So uh, I applaud the league. Uh, shame on the players if they uh, are still complaining about this because we have to move forward with this game. This this pitch clock is going to keep pitchers on the mound. It's going to keep hitters in the batter's box. And there's going to be a better pace, a better rhythm, and a better flow uh, to these games. You may also see an uh, uptick in offense because pitchers are not dwaddling so much between pitches and trying to regain, trying to eke out every second of recovery time possible in order to execute the next pitch. They're going to have to speed up the, their 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 pace a little bit, and that may lead to um, um, you know pitches that aren't as super sharp as they could be, and maybe you see more offense that way. And that's been a problem that there's there's been a, a lack of offense or not a fun, not a not an entertaining offense when you go to a ballpark. I think all that could uptick now with this uh, change. No doubt about it. If you if you go to an action movie, uh, what you want to see is action. If you go to a ballpark, what you want to see is actual baseball, not standing around between baseball. Uh, so I'm all for it. Hey, let's uh, get a final thought from Lel. Thanks to uh, Brandon Morton, our producer. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Thanks again to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show. All right, Lavelle, give me a final thought going into the last of the Royal Series and the weekend in Cleveland. Well, um, it's all about going to Cleveland and coming out uh, with at least four wins. I mean, there's, there's no room for error. You know, winning three out of five is not going to change the – the, the outcome of the division that much, but four out of four out of five is what the twins have to be thinking here. They have to come in and, and, and play winning games. Rocco Baldelli told us yesterday that he's at the point now where if his pitcher is faltering early, he's going to push that button even earlier. Now he's because he was asked by Justin Morneau, do you feel like you have to manage like it's a playoffs? He says, I think I already started that. And if I, we see a starter struggle early on, I may be more prone to bring in a reliever in the third inning. <laughs> um, than I have in the past. So um, we're at that moat now. It's all hands on deck, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, the impact that Polanco has, uh, that Buxton has, and it sounds like Bailey Ober is getting getting close as well. Um, and Ryan Jeffers and Trevor Larnick may be in the next 10 days, so they'll be available for like the last week and a half of the season. So um, this wave is coming, and uh, it's going to be exciting because uh, – we know your team has no room for error. You know, you're kind of paying attention to every little pitch now. And so that's what playoff baseball baseball is all about. It's about being upset after games. It's about dealing with the emotional turbulence of, of um, you know, missing opportunities to win games and trying to deal with that. So this is it. This is what uh, it drives fans up the wall. At the same time, it leads to fantastic finishes. Yeah, I'm really hoping the Twins make it interesting here over the next few weeks. I, I... – I was snarkily uh, suggest the other day that the twins got us to football season and that's all they needed to do in the paper. But uh, I actually would like it if they would uh, give us a few more weeks of meaningful baseball. And either way, uh, Roy Lavelle and I will be here to talk about it, uh, talk about the twins, talk about baseball in general. We will eventually get into the MVP debate, which is getting increasingly intriguing. So thanks for listening to talk and we will be back next week.